It's a great, great old Christmas carol, isn't it, that one? Um, I think I grew up with uh, God rest ye merry gentlemen in church, but probably not that version from memory. Um, but uh, the, the, other, the other way I, I got to know it was um, Nat King Cole and Bing Crosby crooning it. And come forward with a big... Anyway, um, it, it really is one of those great Christmas carols, but it's a little bit in dispute about the way the first line goes. Is it God rest you, merry gentlemen, or God rest ye, merry gentlemen? Or is it, as Charles Dickens has it in A Christmas Carol, God bless you, merry gentlemen? I mean, isn't A Christmas Carol the authoritative work on all Christmas carols? Maybe not. Um, there are plenty of other versions of this hymn with different first lines as well, like this one. Come all you worthy gentlemen. Well, there you go. Kamal said it. The second line is unworthy. Ones get stuffed. No, it's not really. Uh, there's, there's God rest ye merry Christians. You've got to add in the extra uh, syllable there. And in your hymn books, if you turn to uh, hymn number 233, you don't need to look it up. I'm going to put it on the screen. It's politically correct. God rest you merry people all. Which is kind of nice, but I don't think that's what they were singing back in the day when it was first put together. But how was it first put together? Because if you look at the screen, it's not only the first lines that there's dispute over. Um, there are a lot of differences of opinion about where the comma in that first line should go and whether there should be a comma at all. Different places, is there one, is there not one? Does it make any difference? Well, if you got this book for Christmas, I don't know how many years, 15 years ago, something like that, you will know that commas do make a difference. In fact, commas can save lives. There's a big difference between let's eat grandma and let's eat grandma. Commas make a difference here in this carol as well. Uh, the original carol, we don't actually know exactly how old it is. It's thought to have come from perhaps the 16th century, maybe even earlier. The first, the earliest printed edition that we have in existence comes from 256 years ago, uh, 1760. And in that, which we have to, I guess, take as the authoritative version, original, uh, the first verse, uh, first line goes like this. It's God rest you merry, comma, gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay for Jesus Christ our Saviour was born upon this day. And then some words that are a little bit different, but the same meaning as what we sang tonight. The point of that is, this Christmas carol is not about merry gentlemen or merry people. Or in fact, um, Tom Lehrer did a ver version of it, which was God rest ye merry merchants all, especially for Byrne and Allison, I think, uh, about the making profits at the Yuletide time. But this is not about gentlemen, it's not about people, it's about God. This is a carol about God and what God has done for us in sending Jesus. And in particular, it's about God keeping us secure. So that's what the sense of the word rest in the first line is all about. It's about God keeping us secure in a state of blessing. So this carol's a reminder that God's done something extraordinary through the birth of Jesus Christ to 
permanently change our circumstances into eternity. And the strongest sense of that that's carried through all the way comes in the chorus. All the verses that we sang are about telling the story of the birth of Jesus, but it's the chorus that reminds us that this is a story which is good news. Uh, it's a message that needs to be told. That's the, what tidings means. We don't use the word tidings very much anymore, but it, it's a word meaning news or information that you have to tell someone. And so the message, the news of this carol is that the birth of Jesus is a message of two things, comfort and joy. It's good news that God has done something in the birth of Jesus to bring us comfort and joy and he's going to keep us secure in that comfort and joy. And because God has done it, then we can rest merry. Because it doesn't depend on what we've done or our circumstances. We can rest merry because Christmas is good news about an eternal and unchangeable state of comfort and joy. And so that's what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes this evening. Those two ideas of comfort and joy in the Christmas message and what the Bible has to say about that. So we'll start with comfort. Um, Comfort is a word that we use in lots of different ways. It can be a laundry detergent. Uh, It can be all kinds of things. It's it's a beverage from your local bar. Uh, Comfort is used in all kinds of different ways here. The way the word comfort is used here in this carol and to do with the Christmas message is the kind of comfort that Isaiah the prophet is talking about in the passage we read before. So if you've got a Bible, open up Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, Um, I'm going to look at the first couple of verses in particular, but it's good to have it there for the context. Verse 1, Isaiah says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, we've been looking at Isaiah over the last couple of months, and you'll remember that Isaiah's main message, especially in the early chapters, is a message of coming judgment, of doom and destruction, okay? Uh, We've looked at the first 12 chapters, and we've seen that again and again. This message that God's people, particularly the people of Judah and Israel, had turned their backs on God. Um, They had said, Yeah, God, we still love you, but we love all these other things too. All these other gods, all these other things that we're going to treasure at least as much as you and we'll still keep you, but kind of over on the side. God's people had turned their backs on him and Isaiah was sent by God to proclaim this message that as a result of this, God was not going to put up with it anymore. He was going to do the things that he'd promised he would do if they turned their backs on him generations in the past. And they would be punished by a foreign power, a superpower coming to conquer them, take away all of their blessings, take them into captivity. And so that's been the message, chapter after chapter. Now we get to Isaiah 40, after 39 chapters of looming disaster. And in chapter 40, Isaiah starts to sing a new song. (coughs) And his new song is tidings, good tidings to the people of Jerusalem, to God's people. A new song, a message that God is coming. Not coming to judge them like the message had been before, but coming to bring comfort. Now, 
How is he going to bring comfort? Why is there comfort? Well, this is where we've got to go back to verse 2. Verse 1 is the announcement that comfort is coming. Verse 2 is the reason for that comfort. He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for. In other words, the people don't have to pay for that. They don't have to suffer the consequences for their turning away from God. It's been done. That is where their comfort comes from. So this is not beanbag comfort and it's not business class comfort. This is another kind of comfort. This is the comfort that you have when you know you're in certain danger and you're rescued from that danger. Think about it like this. Um, Cruise ships are built for comfort, right? And probably the most famous cruise ship of them all had an outrageous level of luxury and comfort for its first class passengers. But you know what? If you're cruise ship, your luxurious, comfortable cruise ship is the Titanic and it is sinking, that comfort doesn't mean much to you anymore. The comfort that you want is the comfort that comes from knowing that you've got a seat on the lifeboat, that you're not going down with the ship. And that's the kind of comfort that Isaiah is talking about here. In chapter 40, he's saying the Lord God is coming. His glory is going to be revealed and here's what it's going to look like. Your sins have been paid for. There's no punishment for you to bear. That is the comfort that he's offering you. Now that comfort that's spoken about in Isaiah 40, ultimately it's not just for the the Jewish captives in Babylon who were taken away from Jerusalem. Ultimately, it's about God's comfort coming into this world in the person of Jesus Christ, born as this tiny, helpless infant, but as a man dying on the cross and paying for our sins, paying the debt that we owe to God. So that for us, instead of going down on the sinking ship of our own turning away from God, we can be rescued. We can have the comfort of being saved from that, kept safe for eternity. And here's the thing about the kind of comfort that we sing about in God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. This good tidings of comfort and joy. You'll never realize how actually deep and wonderful that comfort is. You'll never get how good that comfort is until you realize how serious is the peril that comes from sin. Let me say that again. That's important. You'll never realize how deep God's comfort is until you've grappled with how absolutely serious and deadly is the peril that your sin puts you in. You're on your way to hell unless God rescues you. So I want to ask you, do you actually know that comfort yourself? Have you heard the tender voice of God speaking to you saying that your sin has been paid for? That's what it's about. And you, you might have been coming to church for ages and thinking of the comfort that you, of heaven as being something that is kind of like having a first-class berth on a cruise ship, that it's something that you work towards, that you get yourself there. But it's not that, is it? That's not the comfort this carol's talking about. When we sing, oh, tidings of comfort and joy, we're singing about the comfort that comes from when you realize you've absolutely got no hope. 
You can't save yourself and you're just about to go down under the next wave crashing over your head and you're going to be lost forever when along comes the rescuer to pluck you out of the water. That's the comfort we're talking about. That's why it's such good news. That's why Christmas is worth celebrating. This this day that we're going to celebrate in a week from now is the announcement of the great tidings, the good news that God came into the world to rescue people. Men, women, children, people of every age, every race, every language. It's good news of comfort, but not just comfort, good news of comfort and joy. Joy as well. And not just the joy of being rescued, although that's something to rejoice in if you're rescued, absolutely. The message of the Bible, the good tidings of Christmas, is that Jesus was born so that we might share in God's own joy. Jesus was born into this world so that we might share, participate in God's own joy. And to let you get a sense of that, let's look at the other passage. So um, was it page 935. You don't need to know the page number, you just need to know Zephaniah 3, right? And you'll find that like that. Um, Zephaniah, let me tell you just quickly, Zephaniah was another Old Testament prophet. He was a lot like Isaiah, but he lived kind of a a generation after Isaiah. And his message is pretty much the same, except he tells it in three chapters and Isaiah takes 66. So things are condensed down a bit in Zephaniah. The first couple of chapters, Zephaniah, is the day of the Lord is coming. It's a day of judgment and peril. God's people have turned away from him, and as a result, they're in big trouble. But then you get to uh, chapter 3, partway through, and after announcing judgment, he says this, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why? The Lord's taken away your punishment. He's turned back your enemy. Now that sounds really familiar. It sounds a lot like what Isaiah was saying in chapter 40, right? But the beautiful thing about Zephaniah, because it's condensed, you only have to read on a few more verses to get the other part of the message. Go down to verse 17. There's another dimension here. It's comfort and joy. The Lord your God, verse 17, the Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He will do what? He will take great delight in you. That's what Zephaniah has to announce to the people. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. I don't know if you realize this. That's an extraordinary message. That's amazing, don't you think? This is big deal. God is going to delight in you and rejoice over you. Your, what that's saying is your happiness and my happiness for eternity is not just about being rescued from hell. It's not just that, That's a good thing, something to rejoice in. And it's not just about living in a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That's also a good thing to rejoice in. But our eternal happiness comes from the overflowing happiness that God has within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rejoicing in each other's presence from eternity, that not not just that we get to observe that, that would be enough, wouldn't it? Wow, wow, look at how great God is. But that we're included in that. In fact, Zephaniah says, we share in it as objects of his delight. 
He will take great delight in you. Rejoice over you with singing. Let's go back to those illustrations of being rescued from the sea and just change it up a bit. If you're at the beach this summer and you get caught in a dangerous rip and a lifesaver comes along to rescue you from the surf, you don't really care if the lifesaver is gloomy. You're not worried about his attitude when you're hugging your family on the beach because you're not going home to spend time with the lifesaver. You're going home with your family, right? But being rescued by Jesus is quite different to that because Jesus doesn't rescue us so that we can then go home to be with our family. Jesus rescues us so that we can be with him for eternity. And so if Jesus is miserable, our salvation is miserable. If Jesus is gloomy, our our eternity is going to be gloomy. But the good news of Christmas, the good news from Zephaniah is, well, he's not gloomy. He will rejoice over us. He will take great delight in you. Rejoice over you with singing. It's not just Zephaniah. Jesus himself says it. In John chapter 15, just before he's taken away uh, to be tried and then crucified, Jesus is talking with his disciples about what's going to happen and how they should prepare. And he then talks to them about his motivation for what he's doing. And he says that I've told you all of this. Why? So that my joy may be in you. But second reason, so that your joy may be complete. Our joy is completed when his joy flows into our lives. God rescues us so that we might share in his joy. That is amazing. The the message of Christmas is Jesus comes into the world so that his joy might fill us up and make our joy bigger and more complete and more wonderful than it would ever possibly be without him. And that's why it's good news. That's why it's worth singing carols about it. The message of Christmas is good news of both comfort and joy. Rich, deep, wonderful comfort and joy. And we need to realize that because at Christmas time, There's surface-level comfort and joy on sale all around us. Buy a turkey, buy a ham, buy a pudding for Christmas and you'll feel comfort and joy. Uh, Greet each other with a smile and give gifts and sing songs and you'll have comfort and joy. And look, all of that's great. I love that. I am certainly no Scrooge or or bar humbug kind of person. Uh, I'm a shameless celebrator of Christmas. But... Sometimes all that stuff can be really difficult to swallow if Christmas is actually a time when you're not looking forward to that because Christmas is actually full of sadness for you. Christmas might be really tough. Christmas might be one of those times of the year that screams loneliness. Christmas might be one of those times when you go, I just feel emptiness and grief. Maybe you feel like you've been forgotten and abandoned and Christmas just makes that worse and look maybe you have been forgotten and abandoned and that's a terrible thing of course you want to feel sad of course it feels awful but the message of Christmas is that you have not been forgotten by God you've not been forgotten by God you've not been abandoned by your creator Christmas is good news because he came into the world for you He wants you to share in his joy. 
He, he wants to rescue you so that you can have your joy made complete. And that's why we can say, God rest you, Mary. Gentlemen, ladies, whoever you are, whatever kind of Christmas you're having, we can sing this and know God's comfort and joy. There's one last thing I want to talk about, just briefly. It's tidings of comfort and joy. That's what we sing in this carol. And I want to speak, speak about that idea of sharing this good news, that God would give you courage to share this good news, these glad tidings, this news that Jesus Christ, our Saviour, was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. It is good news. And so I am hoping that from the things that I've said tonight and maybe the things that Byrne talked about last week with uh, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, that you've got some tools now to help you share the good news. So, for instance, it's pretty easy to have a conversation with someone at Christmas time about what's your favourite Christmas carol. Talk about that stuff. Why do you like it? Okay, one of my favourites is God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Hey, it's weird though, like it's one of those really old carols and the words kind of don't make sense. What do you think it means? In fact, the chorus is great, isn't it? Tidings of comfort and joy. What do you think that means? In fact, ask this question. Where do you find comfort and joy? And then no matter what people ask, answer to that question, there's a second question you can ask. Can you rest in those things? Like those things you find comfort and joy in, can you actually find rest in them? Because that's what this carol's about. Resting in the comfort and joy that God brings. And that's, I guess, my question for you as we finish up. When you sing this carol, do you really mean it? Are you resting in the comfort and the joy that come to us through Jesus Christ? I hope so. I really hope so. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that uh, Christmas really is a message of deep comfort and wonderful overflowing joy, uh, stuff that we've only just scratched the surface of. We pray that you'd help us celebrate that with more depth as we think about it this year. And Father, give us courage as well to be proclaimers, sharers of the glad tidings, the good news, even just by talking about carols like this. Help us just to nudge along those conversations that will make people ask the questions about where they find their rest, where they find their comfort and their joy. We pray that you'd give us courage by your Holy Spirit to speak about the comfort and joy we have in Christ. We pray it in his name and for his sake. Amen.